Good evening, Boston. Welcome to BNN News. I'm Faith Mathedon. Thanks for tuning in. In Jamaica Plain, glowing lights filled the night and brought the community together at the JP Lantern Parade. This year's Jamaica Pond Lantern Parade was a celebration of community and light, where hundreds of residents came in costume to feel the magic of Halloween and the connection between all of Jamaica Plain. It's just an, important because it builds, uh, builds community, uh, builds relationships. And when you're at celebrations like this, you're, you're not thinking about anything else about other than just having a good time, interacting with your neighbors and having fun with your family. Um, I've come here most of the years that I've been born. Um, yeah, um, I enjoy like walking around with all my friends. Uh, over there there's a little drum circle with my friend Stone leading, which is really fun. So I usually like to do that and stuff, yeah, it's fun. From lively music to the creative costumes and unique lanterns, there was Halloween spirit all around. I mean, it's a fun town tradition. I mean, I wouldn't blame them. It's a place for people to gather, hang out with their friends. I know people go to school together, obviously, but then when you're in school, you're working a lot and, and doing classwork. So here is just a fun time to hang out, have a great time, and do a nice community gathering. I think it's great to have uh, families come out and show that there's still uh, some families that live in the city because it feels like everyone's kind of moving away from the city because it's really not that affordable and it makes you feel like uh, not wanted here a little bit. So, BNN even had the pleasure of meeting the son of Frankenstein. I am the son of Frankenstein. Who's been attending the JP Lantern Parade since its inception 40 years ago. It was for peace. It was for peace. I remember way back, uh, it was busing, I guess. Uh, it was uh, some racial the, uh, disruption in Boston and all that stuff. So um, people in Jamaica Plain took the initiative to do this in the name of peace. You know, that was, that was the reason. Now it's a tradition now. Now it's, it's just for the kids to come around and they... Uh, and for the adults to see our friends again, you know, and show off like we are doing. This is my wife, Julia, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I marry her not for her looks, okay, <laughs> but because she has a, a heart of gold. Spontaneous celebrations, organizer of the event, delivered a night of ghoulish fun for the whole community. On Tuesday, High Park students were thrilled by a special guest at their Halloween Day pep rally. A wave of school spirit took hold on Tuesday at New Mission High School in High Park. The students were joined by their peers from Boston Community Leadership Academy for the Halloween Day pep rally, an afternoon of fun games, music, and contest for best costume. And the energy kicked into the next gear when surprise guest Jason Tatum, power forward of the Boston Celtics, arrived. But I want you guys to, to stay focused, right? Um, I was, I'm not too far removed from being in you guys' shoes, right? I'm not that much older than you guys. And I was in school with a dream. And whatever your dream is, it doesn't have to be an NBA player, uh, but it starts here, right? And I listened when I was in class. I listened to my teachers. I listened to my mom. Um, and and it, it worked out, right? So that is important to listen, study hard, make the right choices, 
Um, but enjoy it, right? You're only going to be a kid once. These are... Jason Tatum is obviously one of the busiest people on the planet. He's in high demand for not only his day job of uh, making Boston proud, but so many other initiatives and also being a dad. And for him to take the time to come invest in our community, give our young people the inspiration and the support that they deserve, um, it's, it's just wonderful to be in a city where there's such commitment to community. It was wonderful. Um, I like how the Celtics are always giving back to their community. The mayor is always supporting us in that um, kind of education support like area. Um, I love how Jason came out surprised, even though it was like, ooh, a But um, they kind of still came out and support students, even though they knew they was in that place before, and now they're coming out and giving back, really. This Halloween will be remembered more for its streets for these students in Hyde Park. The next class of Boston police officers took their oaths to protect and serve. But this year, the graduating officers look a little different, with over half of them being people of color. Last Friday, the excitement was just as high as the phones for the BPD Academy graduation at Boston Convention and Exhibition Center. These young men and women spent 29 weeks preparing for police enforcement through physical, tactical, and classroom training. As mayor of this city, as a resident of this city, and as a mom, there is no easy time to be the person who chooses to be where people are hurting where cycles of pain and violence end. It takes hard work to build that trust slowly and carefully, and oftentimes in places where it has been broken before, to put your life on the line for others. That is the choice that this amazing class has made. And you've made it at a time when our city, our community, our people need you to make this happen. Proud family members and friends celebrated Class 6323, the most diverse group from the police academy to date. Over 60% of the graduating class are people of color, with 59 of the 133 new officers speaking a language other than English, representing 16 other languages. The graduating class also includes the first Somali officers, an officer who is hard of hearing, as well as 18 officers who served in the military. It's a difficult job in the sense that you do face dangers and things of that nature, but the reality is you know and the people that you serve know that you're here to help, but some of the rhetoric that might come from outside makes it more difficult. Hold on to your values. Hold on to the reasons why you joined this job. Hold on to each and every person that you've helped, and I promise you it will fuel you and help you get through this long and wonderful career in this very noble profession. BPD and the Office of Language and Communications Access partnered to promote officers' learning of diverse languages, all to better serve residents whose first language is not English, creating a culturally competent police to reflect the city's neighborhoods. Class 6323, we are the light. The past and the present has caused a spark within us. And that spark is integrity. That, that spark is light. And because of the academy staff bringing out the best in us, in whatever situation we may encounter, 
we too will bring out the best in those that we come in contact with, paving the way for future generations with the hope of redefining the relationship between the public and police officers. Thank you all for being here. Thank you all for your support. And congratulations to the class 6323. Academy training also included attending community meetings, recreational programming with youth and older Bostonians, park openings, welcoming students to schools, and visiting houses of worship. All done to build trust in communities officers have sworn to protect and serve. Congratulations to the new class. Making good on her promises to address safety concerns at Massachusetts Avenue and Melnia Cass Boulevard, Mayor Wu outlines the next steps the city is taking to remove the encampments. Mayor Wu shared updates on the recently approved city ordinance allowing police to move tents and relocate homeless residents from the Mass and Cass area. According to the latest count, there are at least 85 people currently living there. As we speak, written notices in 11 different languages are being distributed to people living in the Mass and Cass area just to make sure that everyone understands fully uh, what is happening and has clarity on the timelines and, and can make the best preparations. But I want to emphasize that for our residents, this isn't just a seven-day notice that they're getting suddenly um, out of the blue. This ordinance will allow us to continue to provide clinical care, to continue to move people into treatment, and to provide the support and case management that is so essential. In order to support ordinance implementation, the Boston Public Health Commission has established a temporary safe sleeping space at 727 Mass Ave for 30 individuals who are currently sleeping on a regular basis in tents on Atkinson Street. The individuals who are being offered this space are known to us, and our case management partners are already working with them to ensure a pathway to permanent supportive housing and to ensure that they have the wraparound services that they need. In addition to increased police presence, unsanctioned camping and temporary structures are now explicitly banned on the public property. The ACLU, which has sued the city previously for tent removals, stated that they must ensure people's property is safeguarded and that realistic temporary housing is made available to displaced individuals. The teams on the ground know the people that they are serving by name. They're aware of their life stories. They're aware of the triggers that they experience. And they've been in conversation with them for many weeks planning for the best pathway to exit a situation that unfortunately has become dangerous, unsafe, and, and simply said, untenable. A real concern is the number of individuals from the outside entering this area to prey upon the vulnerable encampment dwellers with the selling of drugs and other criminal activities. What the plan will hopefully do, and I'm, I, I believe it will do, is to take separate those individuals from the ones that are dealing the drugs, preying on these individuals, and are down there just because everyone thinks that they can come down there and it's one big party. And if we can keep all those people that need to be safe, safe, get them somewhere where they can get help, get treatment, have more stability, 
then that's what we need to do. Over the course of today and tomorrow, our teams will be offering people individualized exit plans with opportunities to transition into low threshold housing sites, shelter, treatment, or family reunification where it makes sense. Uh, these moves will take place next week and um, be finalized by November 1st. Long-term housing solutions such as the Long Island Bridge Campus are years away from completion. City leaders and New Market Square residents hope this ordinance is a step in the right direction. For high school seniors, fall is synonymous with college applications, with the college essay playing an essential role in getting into the school of their dreams. See how A26 Boston is preparing Boston students for success at their annual college essay writing boot camp. Is the story unique? So does it contain details that only you could write? I know sometimes it might feel like you have a similar story or a similar experience as someone else. A26 um, Boston wants to demystify the college essay for Boston high school juniors and seniors. And can, um, That's why they created the college essay writing boot camp. The annual workshop offered two sessions last Saturday at Northeastern University to assist students in crafting their college essay, viewed as a critical piece to college admission. The college essay is, I think, one of the most important parts of the college application, um, especially with the state of where we're at with affirmative action. It's just so important for students to be able to share their voices um, and for those voices to be authentically theirs and their story uh, be shared with admissions. I think the college essay is quite important. It kind of serves as a mechanism for the admissions office to actually see who you are because, you know, these days, it's very easy to kind of manufacture a persona, you know, do every single extracurricular that you can do after school. And the college essay really does offer us experience, uh, a look into a student. And, you know, we're all, we live in a very diverse country with a lot of different experiences. And those colleges do want to cultivate students of different backgrounds and students of different experiences. Through the morning, teens worked one-on-one -on -one with volunteer A26 Boston writing tutors who provided critical support and the encouragement for students to walk away with a first, second, or final draft of their essays, alleviating whatever pressure they felt of finding those 650 words. I thought college would be like 2,000 words like minimum, but it's only like 250 words, which is, which is crazy to me because like I thought college was supposed to be like huge and like it's like big thing, but it's just like... It's something small and personal about you, which I really like. It makes me like the college essay a lot more and be more, a lot more confident about it. I have always known that I wanted a large family with my own home and my own vehicle. It means a lot to me to have tutors at 826 Boston who care about me and my future of furthering my education so I'm able to give back to my community as becoming a teacher of color. For writing tutors, the boot camp experience was just as rewarding as it was for the students. I love the essay boot camp in particular because I feel that there's just a few moments in our lives when we get to tell these stories about who we are and it can set the trajectory of how we talk about ourselves and who we become. You know, you have a student who says, I love to go to the beach. And then by the time they finished writing this essay, they say, I am an aspiring marine biologist. And it's just beautiful to see young people do that. 60% of past boot camp students have parents who were born outside of the United States. 45% of students reported that they would be the first in their families to attend college. 
So holding the college essay writing boot camp on a university campus was powerful. Young students of color and marginalized students in general, um, especially in Boston, are oftentimes kind of pushed to the side um, and these resources aren't typically available to them. And so having workshops like this that are free and open to anyone to just come and work on their essay and get that support um, is just so incredibly important. And what makes for a good college essay? Vivid detail and sincere emotion, above all else, um, something that helps the reader understand who is this young adult, who is this student, and how are they going to thrive on this campus. I think the biggest advice that I always have for students is that the college essay isn't an academic essay, that five paragraph essay structure that you do for your social studies class, that's not, that's not what this is about. This is a story about you, so you just need to think about what makes this a story about you, what makes this a story that only you can tell, and how am I by reading this learning about you as a person. Roxbury Community College is unveiling a new mural in honor of the African American experience, designed and created by dozens of Roxbury artists who live and work in the community. We invited interim president of RCC, Jackie Jenkins Scott, and Mark Schaefer, project coordinator of the Mural Project, to the studio to discuss the meaning behind an ode to Africa in the Americas and what its symbolism means to the Roxbury community. Can you talk a little bit about um, the history, how this um, mural came to be, and why it was created? I, I would say that the reason the mural happened and is at Roxbury Community College um, has to do with uh, uh, President Jenkins Scott's commitment to the college serving the community and, among other things, a real commitment to it being a place for the artists of the community to uh, have a, a, a place to, to uh, show their artist, artist artwork, to connect. Um, and uh, the project started really in 2012 without any of us knowing. Uh, Roberto Chow, who is the lead uh, artist and lead director for the project, um, was working with a group of uh, young people from uh, the Madison Park Development Corporation summer program. And they created a mural called Africa to America um, that showed in a very symbolic and graffiti terms the, this enormous movement that is what all of us are living in and particularly relevant to, to this community. And, um, and it stood in Nubian Square from 2012 to 2018 until the parcel was developed. And at that point, uh, Roberto and I and some other concerned, interested neighbors started looking around for what could happen with this mural that was so important that no one had touched it in six years. Wow. Um, and it was Roxbury Community College that welcomed this project onto its campus, that gave it a home, and with a home and a welcome, an amazing thing happened, which was this gathering of community artists um, dedicated to creating a, a public artwork for, for RCC, but for the whole community as well, okay. that, um, that uh, lifted up and expressed the, the, the experience of Africa in the Americas. Mm, excellent. 
And this is an impressive piece of work. It's uh, 17 panels, nine feet high, 85 inches, uh, 85 feet, excuse me, yeah. uh, <laughs> wide. Uh, so can you talk to me about what it means to, to have artists from the community be the ones to, to be the one responsible for the creation of it? Well, for me, an institution of higher education ought to acknowledge the uh, its history, it's, you know, we live our history. If we, if we don't know, our, what is that, that old saying? If you don't know your history, you're doomed. You're bound to repeat, repeat it. it. Mm -hmm. yes. So um, it's very exciting for this piece of work to be in an institution of higher education. And we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of Roxbury Community College this year. And so this is really a wonderful, wonderful celebration of the history of the college, uh, which started um, from community, from community activism, uh, as an institution of higher learning for the community, in the community, and to be able to bring this piece of work, which I, I didn't know the history that it started back in 2012, yeah. to, to have this be unveiled as part of the 50th anniversary says we care about not only our history, but our future and the role of arts. Um, in the college and, and uh, sharing our history and our future is so important. Yeah, as you're speaking, I'm thinking this is sort of, this project is an embodiment of what you're talking of, living our history. It started with uh, sort of an elder artist and young people, young teenagers, and then the baton got passed on as it literally was illustrated in the original uh, mural to uh, the, an older generation ranging from artists in their late teens and 20s to internationally renowned artists like Lemurchi Frazier, oh. all working together with this common goal and with the awareness that, that this was community art for an educational institution, there were hundreds of hours of research put into uh, foodways, of how foodways from Africa are I present in the Americas, how um, textile, images, um, everything from protest to food, um, and uh, it, it turned out to be this incredible community effort. Um, over a dozen people working together uh, on the design and then over two dozen uh, people from the from the community working on creating the mural itself. That is fabulous because the most important word in our title is community. Mm. Roxbury Community College mm -hmm. and this mural really brings to community together in a beautiful, beautiful way. It sets the stage for the next 50 years of the college. Uh, I, I love it, Mark. So it's a real privilege for me to be a part of this um, in, as my uh, term as interim president it comes to an end. Oh, where does the time go? Uh, and can you talk to us a little bit about the symbolism behind uh, some of the images in the mural? One of the things that I'm still just stunned and humbled by is that how so many people came together, most of whom had never worked with each other or knew each other, uh, teenagers, 60s, 30s, like, um, uh, most, m almost all of the people involved were women. This is mm -hmm. mostly a, a, a woman-created uh, mural. 
and um, and this trust and respect and common commitment that allowed you know over a dozen people to design a mural together with different perspective, different ideas, and coming together for something bigger than any one of us. And it really was over over months. You know, we started in late May. Wow. Yeah, the intergenerational aspect of it is is so beautiful. Um, and speaking of time, how many hours went into completing this project? Um, I actually calculated, we had a timesheet for the painting and we were you know, looking at other parts of it. We estimate that it took about a thousand person hours oh, wow. in, uh, in terms of research and preparing uh, and creating the design. Um, literally people from the core original workshop were doing research and making presentations on food, on textiles, on uh, language, on imagery, um, and uh, and so about we think thousand hours actually all together up to the painting, and then about another thousand hours uh, all together. Some people came in for three hours, and then there were people who were painting twenty, thirty hours a week. Wow. Um, I just remembered you asked about imagery. So I'll just mention a few very prominent images. On the far left are, um, uh, are pyramids, and also this image, which is based on an image Lemurchi Fraser has created separately called the holler. And it's this image of, uh, of a man hollering across time and space to descendants to ancestors, um, he's clearly an ancestor. And then to the right of that is a, is a hand that's emerging and it's starting to clench into a fist but it's still open. And so it was really important to the team that this whole history of resistance and resilience and persistence be there. Um, but it's also, it's in motion. It's not the final fist, it's in the process of of establishing itself, and in front of it is a is a palm date. I'm sorry, a date palm. Simultaneously talking about the flora and fauna of Africa to America, and also a reference to the flag of Haiti. Oh, wow! So a lot, a lot <laughs> packed into uh, this this mural. And what would you like the community of Roxbury and African Americans to take away from this mural? I hope that when they see the mural, they will take just great pride and love for the color, the vibrancy, the uh, purpose, and um, the fact that it's placed in an institution of higher learning in the community for the community. I would add definitely that, that joy, that one of the things about it being so big that we try to take advantage of is you can't see the whole thing at once, so it's an experience. You're entering into the space, into the mural. Um, but another thing is that there will be a panel, a, a plaque to the neck, to the side of the mural that will have basic information about who did it and when, but also a QR code that links to a permanent page on the RCC website that has 
all kinds of information and resources about all of the images and the process of making it. So we wanted to be sure that for the hopefully next 50 years yes, that it's there, the that it will be a source of education yeah. as well, that people can, can, can experience it, but that they also can learn from it. Thanks for tuning in, Boston. That's our broadcast for tonight. For BNN News, I'm Faith Amaphidon, and I'll see you next Friday.